2: Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
1: So you've probably seen this.
3: I'm the proof when I'm in a booth, spitting on the mic, anti-vax, Putin hates all of them blacks, Putin is a bad racist, put them in the ground, white or brown, and I'm in plain old town, and you know you just got found, I'm a pimp. On a blimp, and lots of and shrimp. No, you can't stop my shine. I'm
1: number 99, and you know i brand shine. So he's a pimp on a blimp, high in steak, and lots of shrimp. You just heard him. Alex Primetime Stein is in the house. So if you're not familiar with Alex, basically, he's been going around. Uh, to you know, the city council meetings and really holding up a mirror to some of these politicians, just mocking them with stuff like that. You've got people out there saying we need to go to war with Ukraine. We need to give them tens of billions of dollars as Americans are struggling with gas prices, being able to pay their bills. So he's really just sort of mocking them. And he's got a lot of important things to say. Admittedly, I've already interviewed the guy, but it, it, you're going to want to listen to this. He's got uh, He's funny, but he also has a lot of really important insight into to holding up that mirror and what he's saying. With some of these politicians as well. So I think this is a really interesting and important conversation and also hilarious. He jokes around too about being Tucker Carlson's biological son uh, because they do, there's some similarities in, in the appearance. They both have great hair, great flow. Uh, and at the end of the interview, I, I think we just became best friends. Uh, so listen up and stay tuned for Alex Primetime Stein. <laughs> So he's a pimp on a blimp, high on steak and lots of shrimp. Alex (laughs) Primetime Stein, uh, thanks for coming
3: on. Wow, Lisa, what an introduction, you know, and I really appreciate that. And let me tell you something, you know, the fact that we can say pimp and, and people don't freak out. And, you know, now you're having me on the show and we've been, you know, Facebook friends or excuse me, Instagram friends for a little bit. But we got to talk about the elephant in the room, the sexual harassment against AOC being the biggest story in the world, Lisa. So I want to start off with that. As a beautiful lady, I really want to defend myself, if I could, to your audience.
1: Are you trying to date her? Is that what this is about? I want to date
3: You hear a lot of people say AOC's ugly. She's not. I'm just telling you, unironically, she is very beautiful. She's pretty. I can understand why she made a lot of money as a bartender. I'm sure she got tips very well.
1: But see, what's interesting about it is so uh, you went up to her and said some things that uh, a lot of people did not like. But she came up to you afterwards and said, gave the peace sign, I can't talk, and was like, let's do a selfie and seemed totally like cool with it. And then later proceeded to call you all these names, tried to get the Capitol Police to intervene, made this whole big deal about it, said she felt unsafe. But if you watch the video, it doesn't seem like that at all.
3: Well, and let's be completely honest, what I did say, I said big booty Latina, which I guess you could say is a little across the line, but this is why I said it. It wasn't just some accidental thing. She had just tweeted in defense of the protesters that, that attacked Brett Kavanaugh outside of Morton Steakhouse that we need to make politicians uncomfortable. We're her exact words. So my point being is, you know, I'm primetime 99, you know, this is time an alter ego, but I go, and the reason why you even know me is I go and I make politicians uncomfortable, whether it's a city council meetings or whether it's interactions I have with them on the street, because these politicians, they don't care about us. They're very self-important. I've, you know, I've called out Dan Crenshaw. I've called out a lot of these people that I would say, they don't have our back. They're, they basically care more about their political standing than their actual constituents. So my point being is you can get in a politician's face and say, you stink, you're an idiot, but they get that a lot. That doesn't create a response. So uh, this is literally out of Saul Alinsky's book, Rule of Radicals. When you want to evoke a response, you have to do creative tactics. You have to do something unorthodox. And in his book, he talked about buying you know, theater seats or you know around this, these wealthy theaters and give people a free bean dinner at the theater. So all the wealthy people would have to see the other uh, poor people would be passing gas the whole time. So my point being from that playbook is why I asked her, I said, Hey, you're a big booty Latina because she always complains that she gets sexualized. She says that everybody wants to date her. So the one instance where I said, Oh, well, let me act like I want to date her that I'm sexually attracted to her. She absolutely freaks out and says she was the biggest victim, uh, you know, that ever in capital history worse than worse than january 6th
1: so can i be honest with you about something so if this was like six or seven years ago i probably would have been like oh my gosh you shouldn't have done that i can't believe but now it's like you know these people deserve to be mocked like as you pointed out you know they they applauded what happened to brett kavanaugh a guy who almost got assassinated they want babies to be aborted until the moment of birth they want to castrate children give little girls double mastectomy so it's like you know what these people don't
3: deserve or respect No, Lisa, you're 100% right. These are the same people that love drag queen story time for children, which is literally the sexualization of a children. But if you tell a congresswoman, I think you're sexy, they think that that is violence. So it's the hypocrisy of our politicians. And you nailed it. I mean, we have such bigger issues that these people are saying that that abortion is health care. How is that health care for the baby? You know, they don't even, you know, they're not even based in reality, like people on the conservative side. And really, I consider myself a populist, and this is why. Even people that are pro-choice, which I'm not, they still believe there should be a limit. They think it should be after a certain amount of months you should not be able to get an abortion. But these politicians like Kamala Harris, they want to get an abortion up until birth and even after in certain circumstances. So these people are sick and demonic, and there's nothing more evil in my mind than the actual murder of a child.
1: Well, and to your point, the whole my body, my choice thing drives me insane because it's not your body. It's not your choice. It's another child's life that's hanging in the balance and the decision that you're trying to make. Like when I didn't get vaccinated, that's my body. That's my choice. Right? That, that only impacts me because you can be a super spreader and still have COVID like Joe Biden, who just had COVID twice. So like that, like that, that, like that's my body, my choice, not when you're involving another human being.
3: No, you're right. And I've I've had a viral video that got, you know, about a million hits where I went to an abortion rally and I asked people, are they in favor of my body, my choice? And of course, they said yes. And then I asked them, are they in favor of vaccine mandates? And they're like, well, yes, I am. So they do think a vaccine should be mandated for everybody from six months up until 100 years old. But when it comes to the idea of an abortion, that's totally fine. You know, people can just choose. So they're very hypocritical. And, and when we talk about, like, the abortion, this is literally a huge issue in America that's very, you know, divisive. And it's done on purpose. It's done to make us fight. But I remember a day and age when I went to college, I knew some girls that got abortion. This was a secret. This was, like, the scariest, worst moment of their life. And now kids are making TikTok videos uh, celebrating their third and fourth abortion. So we have a society that's just degenerated. To, you know, absolute evil. I, I'm really kind of, I I hate to be so black as they say, but I'm nervous for what the future holds.
1: Well, I think TikTok's evil. Like, I won't go on it. I don't have an account. I mean, I think probably all social media is, but, uh, you know, TikTok is, is not good.
3: No, it's especially bad. And it's addicting. And this is like, you know, I'm the host of the Conspiracy Castle. I'm a, a proud tinfoil hat oriented conspiracy theorist because there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes that we don't talk about, like the Iran Contra, which was declassified, where the CIA was trading Nicaraguans' guns for cocaine. And there's a movie starring Tom Cruise about Barry Seal how he flew it into me in Arkansas. So, my point being is that there's a, there's a lot of conspiracies, and I actually believe they want to make life so bad here on Earth so that we actually literally plug into some sort of metaverse, some sort of social media realm where we can be anything we want, because that's kind of what we do now. We always post our highlights on social media. You know, those are always our, our best pictures. That's the fake world. But our real world is we're all lonely and we all are insecure. And, uh, and they do that on purpose because they want you to live in that fake metaverse. And I think the technology is only going to get better and stronger and more, you know, uh, you know, people are going to want to do it more, I think, in the future, sadly.
1: Well, and it's also like unhappy, disconnected people—people people that don't value things that give you roots, that give you an anchor in life, like family, you know, religion. Like those sorts of things are, are easily, more easily malleable and more easily controllable. And I think what we've seen, particularly throughout COVID, is you know that's basically all they care about is finding ways to obtain more control and subjugating us as the people. So
3: no, you're right. I mean, they turned science into their new religion. Dr. Fauci is the new pope. And, and you would think that I'm kidding when I say that because it sounds like a joke, but that's really, you know, that's basically what they've done. And if you look at Dr. Fauci's record with AZT in the 80s on AIDS patients, he, he did not help those people out at all. As a matter of fact, they protested against him. So these people that the left or these, you know, the atheistic mindset, they literally want to convince people that two rocks smashed together and that the Big Bang created everything came from nothing. And that they're just a cosmic accident and their life has no meaning when that's the farthest thing from the truth is they want to hide, you know, they're literally trying to hide the creator to make us a, you know, a world with no spiritual nature whatsoever. And that's basically the evilness. I think that's where it comes from, Lisa, is that we have a society that doesn't believe in consequences for their actions. So they can be as big, they can be as immoral as they want.
1: Well, I think that's a great point, And that's also why I believe, you know, they keep shifting the new religion, right? Like it's, It's Black Lives Matter. It's COVID. It's Ukraine. Now they've got the Ukraine flag. It's like they've, you know what I mean? It's like one thing after the next. And it's like these people are just so utterless or rudderless. Rudder, am I saying the right word? Rudderless? Rudderless. Yeah, rudderless. There you go. Thank you for the assist. And they're trying to find something to give their
3: life value. And Lisa, you're 100% right. And you look at the war in Ukraine, we've given over, I think now it's up to $100 billion. And in Ukraine, gay marriage is not legal in ukraine if you're transgender and you try to run to poland they give you a gun and make you go get in the front lines so that when you go to uh, i went to a pride uh, festival in new york city and literally i saw almost as many ukrainian flags as rainbow flags yet none of those people would be able to live their same lifestyle in the ukraine so it just shows you how hypocritical and how unknowledgeable the people are that are defending this world war military industrial complex machine that doesn't benefit the American people. And all it benefits is literal Halliburton and bankers that don't care about you and me, Uh, Lisa.
1: Well, a hundred percent. And, and too, like it's, I mean, the pain is like intentional of of what they're doing. I mean, we saw it during COVID of literally, you know, crushing the soul of mom and pop stores, keeping big box stores open, you know, Target, Walmart, you're cool. You can stay open if, you know, if you're if you're some family owned business, you're done, you're screwed, you're shut down. Or like even with this climate crap, right, like trying to push all this green stuff in the name of just obtaining more government control and increasing gas prices and making the pain more insufferable for Americans.
3: Yeah, and they want to get us off fossil fuels and get us on electric vehicles that are charged on fossil fuels. And the same people that are pushing the climate change agenda, like Bill Gates, just bought a, you know, a huge house on the beach near San Diego. Uh, Barack Obama, a huge climate change advocate, just bought a house in Martha's Vineyards. So these people are so worried about the climate and so worried about rising sea levels, they're all buying houses on the beach. So it just shows you that, once again, the people that are in power are basically mocking us and they're being hypocritical with their actions. And lying to our face, and that's the problem in society is we have cognitive dissonance where we can see our politicians are lying to us, but we trick ourselves into thinking, well, they have our best interests. When that's the farthest thing from the truth. And I think the last two and a half years of COVID has woken a lot of people up. But Lisa, this is what scares me the most, is there's so many people that love COVID. They love the restrictions. They love the masks. I would have never thought that in a million years that people would like to be subjugated to a life, you know, of you know turmoil. But I think it's the old saying, "misery loves company," and that's where we're at. Where these people want to bring everybody else down with them.
1: Why do you think that is? Why do you think these people love the regulations?
3: Well, because they don't have anything else. I mean, this is like you know they want to see the world burn, and that's not hyperbole. That's not metaphor. It's like they really they, they look in the mirror, and we all have insecurities for sure. But these are people. I would say that are all, and and their stats just came out, that said serotonin levels don't necessarily correlate with depression. So these are people that are on probably a lot of psychotropic drugs that are probably disconnected with reality, disconnected with the world, that are probably suffering from depression. And so they want to make other people depressed with them. And I think when you see this, and this is just me, this is just my speculation and my opinion, and I say this all the time, I'm not a role model. Whoever's listening to this, you know, make your own, come come to your own conclusions, obviously. But when you see this idea of like, people enjoying the mask they're enjoying the misery it's because their life is already so miserable they want more people to go through that pain with them and they don't want to walk that walk alone and that's how everybody is nobody wants to walk this walk alone really
1: you know what just came to my mind when we're, we're talking about that is you know you see these lost souls it's actually really it like hurts my heart but you see these people at uh, abortion rallies and they do interviews and they're like I wish my mom aborted me you know and, and you you hear people say that all the time and it, you know it, it's sad but I do think that's how they they think.
3: Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, you know, you'll, you'll tell somebody, they like, say, oh, well, you know, these abortions are going to put too much strain on the adoption clinics and the foster care centers. Yeah, you know, anybody would rather be in foster care than dead. But you have a few people that suffer from the depression that suffer from depression and that are at these rallies and say, oh, I wish I would have been uh, aborted. That's just that's so morally bankrupt and so sad and that's just a good indication of our society and how lost people are. And I say that as a person, not that I have all the answers, but these people literally have no answers. If they're looking at somebody in a camera and a microphone and saying, I wish I would have been aborted, that that's one of the most tragic and sad statements a human being can make
1: two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them. Sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from 4 Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once and two USB-C outlets which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com/lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free.
2: work. So I have
1: an admission to make, which is slightly embarrassing. But uh, so I can't remember when the video surfaced, but the one you did about the vaccine, we're going to play it real quick. And then I'll have an admission afterwards. Uh, let's listen to it real quick.
3: I am a vaccination player. What can I say? I'm the real-round a Prime time, nine and 9 I'm on the grind all the time. I blow your mind. I spit the rhyme. I commit the crime. I'm always on time, because I'm nine and nine. I understand, and I grind the shot, and I blow your mind. One more time, vaccinate your mind, vaccinate your body, vaccinate your life if you're vaccination party. I love y'all.
1: So I like, thought that was real. And not just, uh, you know, satire and and, and mockery of all of it. Because, I mean, like, these people are crazy with the vaccine. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy. (laughs) Like, I think I, like, tweeted it and, like, thought it was real. So slightly embarrassing. You can make fun of me if you want. But uh, I did initially fall for it.
3: (laughs) No, Lisa. That's the whole point. So my comedic hero is Andy Kaufman and Andy Kaufman what he would do is he would blur the line of reality and fiction. He'd have people like come up on the stage and hit him. He would play this other character called Tony Clifton and never admit that it was him. So my whole point is I was literally trying to blend the line of reality and fiction because now we were just talking about TikTok. There's so many TikTok nurses dancing next to dead bodies, you know, doing TikTok dances, doing rap songs like this, making cringe music. So I wanted it to be cringe and the more cringy it was, the more believable it is, because that's where we're at. So it's crazy to think that a person going to a city council meeting and rapping about the vaccine, a trick. I mean, millions of people thought that was real. So you shouldn't beat yourself up. Luckily, you know, I'm the, I'm the second best actor to Leonardo DiCaprio. So that's why. So I just pat myself on the back. No, that's not true. I'm kidding about that. But my point being is that's where we are it's people, it's easy to get confused because there's so many nurses doing TikTok dances and that's what my inspiration was. And that's what I've really gotten, you know, that's why I got to meet my biological father, Tucker Carlson, it's because what I'm doing- <laughs> I was
1: actually going to ask you about him.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, he is my biological brother. He won't admit that, but it's okay. Uh, it's fine. He doesn't have to pay child support now that I'm, you know, in my mid-30s. My point being, my point being is that What I'm doing, and I didn't invent this term, but, you know, this is what they started calling it. It's called culture jamming. You take the most absurd parts of our culture, like the TikTok nurse dancing in the ICU, and you kind of put that out on a broader stage so people have to see, oh, is this real? Is this really what is going on? Because what it does is it it makes people on the right upset, and then it makes people on the left embarrassed. So that's why why it's able to go so viral because you're like, oh, you're embarrassed for me? And then the people on the right, like you're trying to dunk on it. You're like, oh, look at this idiot. So what it does is it just kind of gets both sides in this frenzy, and that's the only way that I think we can, you know, uh, uh, get the word out there or get any attention to it because you got to have – for in order for it to go viral, you, know, you need both sides paying attention to it in this day and age, and that's why it worked with the AOC thing because it created all this outrage on the left and it created some moral outrage on the right too. But sadly, people want outrage content, and the cringier the content is and the more believable that it's real – the bigger the effect it has on the population. So
1: have you been on Mori Povich to confirm that Tucker Carlson's your biological father?
3: No, no. And I tried to. And OK, so this is the joke, though. So Tucker, Tucker, I think he started off one of his first jobs was for the, po- the Arkansas Post-Gazette. And uh, in Arkansas, so my, my troll on Tucker, the first time I met him, I was like, yeah, my mom was a waitress at a diner in, in Little Rock, Ar- I mean, in Sayville, Arkansas, so you might have met her. And he was kind of like, what? What? But he's been married to his wife. He met his wife in high school, and it actually his wife's dad was the dean of their boarding school, so it's actually impossible for him to be my dad, but I, honestly, he doesn't realize that. Um, we once got a, a, a stool sample and I think uh, we stole some of his DNA and that's how they created me in a lab. So he doesn't realize that I'm his biological son, but I am the heir to the throne of the, the Carlson uh, you know, family family inheritance, hopefully. That's
1: awesome. He, he's also an awesome guy. And as you mentioned, like a great family man, loves his wife, just like a, treats his staff well, treats everything. He's just a really good dude.
3: He's one of the nicest, most down to earth guys I've ever met. And listen, I haven't met a ton of celebrities. I've met a couple. And a lot of them, you know, they have this air of superiority. Tucker Carlson is the most down-to-earth guy, like more down-to-earth than the guy at the grocery store, you know, more down-to-earth than like the dentist that works on your teeth. I mean, you would think, you wouldn't realize he's the number one broadcaster on TV if you just met him because he doesn't have that ego. And I think that's why he's so successful. And that's why, like I am, you know, not that I'm ever probably going to be as big as Tucker Carlson, but where I sort of strive, I look at him as an example that doesn't matter how big or well-known you get, you have to check your ego at the door. And I think that is, is like his best uh, attribute, even better than his broadcasting skills. I think it's his, his no ego that makes him such a genuine, likable person for people that watch him on TV.
1: Well, and I think that's because one is a sense of humor. So he can laugh at himself and not take things too seriously, which I think most people lack in today's society. And then two, he's rooted in family. So like, if all the TV stuff goes away, he still is left with a lot, you know, and I, I think a lot of people, and this is like a lesson I had to learn, and like COVID was really helpful for me in sort of just reprioritizing life of realizing that, you know what, like, Yeah, like we all want to be successful, whatever. But like at the end of the day, what does it really mean? Right. You know, like there's so like what is important in life are the other things you like family God, the things that keep, you know, as I mentioned, things that keep us grounded, like the real things in life.
3: Yeah. Family pets but but and and, you know this is the problem too and gosh this whole podcast we're talking about the problems of society and of course i have problems myself
1: (laughs) talk about something good (laughs) but
3: but it's the materialism everybody is puts their ego into inanimate objects like we have this constant instant gratification society where they have to have the newest car they have to have the newest clothes and it's even with these young kids they have to have like designer this and designer that and that's all poisonous because none of that matters like when you go to a thrift store, you see that most there's nice stuff in there that some, when somebody died, like all your junk goes to the trash bin. And people don't realize it. it's like literally just, you know, uh, none of this matters. What matters is our family, is the relationships we build, is the stuff we build on earth, not the Gucci belt or driving a Mercedes or being in credit card debt so we can live in a certain condominium in a certain place. Like people are under this brainwashing that they have to have certain stuff to make strangers view them in a certain way when in reality your biggest fan is a stranger and your biggest enemy is probably somebody that you know so you're never going to make everybody happy the only person you should try to make happy is yourself without being selfish
1: why well, I just put way too much uh priority on work, and then I kind of realized that like you could be fired tomorrow, and no one would care, so it's like yeah. why you know why am I giving up holidays and and what have you so you got to live your life so you know when did when did you get started in all this
3: okay well, so you know long story short you know i uh I worked for a TV show here in Dallas called cheaters and i, I can only really say so much about it. we catch people cheating on their husbands and wives due to nDAs and and whatnot but that show had a host, a guy named Clark Gable, who was the grandson of the Clark Gable from the movie Gone with the Wind, the Hollywood icon. And this guy was one of my very good friends. And, and towards the end of the season 17, right as soon as we were done, I knew Clark. He had a, he was from California. He had doctors that would give him prescription pills. He had like, you know, what they call like doc in the boxes would give him Xanax, would give him like pain pills. And the story goes like this. He ran out of those pills. So then he went on the street and he bought some pain pills that had fentanyl in it. And the reason why I bring this up: this guy was a high tolerance drug user. I mean, when he came to set, he wasn't drunk or high, but as soon as he was done shooting, he would he would have a six pack of beer in the fridge. But he, you know, he he couldn't shoot drunk because he'd be all slurring. My point being is. Is anybody that's gone to college, they've seen people that have high tolerances to drugs. Well, it doesn't matter how big his tolerance was. He took a pill of fentanyl and went to bed and woke up dead next to his wife and 19 month old baby. This is my very good friend, and it changed my life, Lisa. I quit, I wasn't on drugs, but I quit drinking. I quit you know, smoking marijuana. I just totally changed my whole entire life because I was like, very easily, I could have been like that car could have been like, oh, here, take this. And I could have died. I just, I, it just changed my whole life. And the reason why it got me started is, I was so sad about it, but then the TV show said, "Well, Alex, we need a you know we need a quick replacement. You're like a 30 year old white guy. I Me and Clark are similar. Like you know you can do it. I knew the show backwards and forwards. I started working there when I as a semester in college and I interned there, so I just knew the show like the back of my hand. I would have been a perfect fit. And the show's distributed by Viacom, which you know owns MTV. And when it came to start shooting season 18, they picked." a DJ out of New York, a 52-year-old guy named Peter Guns, like totally kind of an affirmative action pick, totally different than me, right? And they expected me to stay and keep working there, and I was like, no, I'm going to go on my own, and that's when I started my podcast, and that was May, the show. It happened in April of 2020, and then I started my first podcast, May of 2020. And, you know, the pandemic was terrible, but that's when I started really – You know, I kind of got radicalized, for lack of a better word, word against, you know, the the liberal world order at that time. And that's when I started creating content. And my only regret is I didn't start sooner because now, two and a half years later, uh, you know, I have a lot of opportunities. I'm a Blaze TV contributor. I'm about to have my own show on the Blaze which is, uh, you know, a network here in oh, Dallas. congrats! Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, hopefully we're, we're supposed to start pre-production September 5th, and then hopefully by the last week of September we'll start the show. It'll be a late-night show, it's three nights a week, and it'll be live, and it'll be two hours a night. So so my point being is, like, I, I, I went out on my own. I quit my job. I had a little bit of money saved up, and I just started creating content on my own, and I started doing the podcast, long-form podcast, and I started going to city council meetings. Seriously, I was like, come on. They closed the bathrooms at the public park, I walk around this lake called Bachman Lake in Dallas, and they close the bathrooms, and they turn off the water fountains. And, like, the water fountains are nice. They have one that's on the ground for the dogs. You press a button, and my dogs drink from it. And they turn that off, not to stop the spread, but because they didn't want people using the park. And then there's an 81-year-old guy named Rudy that stops walking around there, and I had him on Facebook. He a Facebook friend. I said, why don't you ever walk anymore? He said, well, I don't like to change my colostomy bag in a porta potty Like, I, you know, at least well, they had the bathrooms there. I could do it, you know, in peace in a bathroom. But because they closed out, I don't, I don't want to be out there, you know, walking like that and just feel very vulnerable. And so when I spoke about stuff like this, and the politicians couldn't give me a the, the minute of their attention, not even 10 seconds of their attention. They're on their cell phone. You know, they don't care. And then I would see other people talk about how their house caught on fire because the fire department came, your neighbor's house is on fire, and then they didn't put it out fast enough, and their house caught on fire, and the city didn't care. People talk about how they lost custody of their kids, you know, just these these sob stories, and they didn't care. And then what I noticed is the crazier I got in these meetings, the more I started to get their attention. And then, you know, basically it just, uh, you know, matured into me singing Fauci ouchy raps and talking about, uh, you know, putting a bullet in Putin's brain for the Ukraine.
1: Although they're down with that.
3: No, they love that. Oh, my gosh. They they freaking love that. Anything you do, uh, talking about, uh, you know, killing Vladimir Putin. And that's why I did it, because you saw Lindsey Graham was on Fox News saying how somebody needs to... Brutus uh, Vladimir Putin literally and on YouTube they said well you you, on YouTube they have some of the strictest terms of services of in terms of service of any social media platform but they even distinctly said you could call for the assassination of Putin so my idea with that one is I'm gonna go make a rap song about killing Vladimir Putin and see if it gets a strike we'll see if it you know is edgy enough and it didn't not only did not get a strike it got like 10 million views on Twitter and uh, you know, became one of the biggest songs for about a month of 2022.
1: Well, what's so it? You mentioned being radicalized during COVID. I mean, I think you know, so many of us were right, and just seeing the control aspect of how they they treat us, the the disdain they have for actual Americans, just like all of it. The 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 their desire to obtain power and to reduce liberty and freedom in America. I mean. You know, like i don't know i always used to kind of think we we're somewhat immune here in america to, to tyranny and like we are not right but like you, you mentioned youtube and just the demonetization I, I don't think a lot of people really understand like the reach that all of this has i mean like even like news networks it, it stifles free speech because everyone's afraid that they're going to like lose their standing their monetization on things like youtube and so like there's just this real chilling effect that uh is happening on the country and it's it's just uh it's sad
3: Lisa, and it's very scary because we can't even talk about sudden adult death syndrome. That's a new cause of death that was created in 2021, right when You Know What came out. And now you're seeing soccer players, triathletes, people that are 27, five doctors in Toronto in the same week die of sudden adult death syndrome. And if you talk about what could potentially be a reason for that, you get kicked off of Twitter, you get kicked off of Instagram, you get kicked off of YouTube. So we live in an Orwellian society where on these social media platforms, your right to free speech does not exist. And now as a conservative, I I want less government interference, but I'm almost now begging for some government interference. Like, I wish there was some sort of interference where we could talk, really. We could talk about the elephant in the room, but because we can't. None of the big news networks can do it. None of the small independent media journalists can do it. And because of that, more people are going to continue to die of sudden adult death syndrome without ever knowing why or getting exposed. And a few people are going to get, you know, injury payouts, but it's just a very small amount of people who will ever actually get the injury payout considered, uh, you know, compared to how many people are actually injured.
1: Well, I brought up vaccine deaths on Fox like a year ago because I was looking at VARES and people try to dismiss VERS and try to say, oh, well, you know, it's self-reporting and like fair. OK, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But it's a government reporting system for a reason. We flag things. We, we, we you know, we stop the rollouts of vaccines over it. Like it plays a role. And at the time, I, can't, I haven't looked at the number in forever because, you know, there's other, but. like a year ago, it was something like you could look at all of the deaths for like 20 years combined for all vaccines. And for one year in COVID, it was like 20 times as many deaths or something like that. Like, I can't remember the specific numbers. And so it's like... You know, you know so it's like, it's like we don't know for certain that all of those are 100% a trip but like doesn't that raise some concern <laughs> like God, you, know? you
3: don't have to be a medical professional to see why more people died in the VAERS reporting system in one year than the past 20 years combined I mean it's like like I said it's just a huge elephant in the room and it's-
1: I can't remember the specific it was like something I can't remember if it was tw- it was like something like um, you know multitudes right so like I can't remember this was like a year ago so my brain, like I'm not you know but it was a lot right
3: you don't need to know the exact numbers because the numbers are so the, 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 are so much different compared to the years in previous uh, people reporting to various. So yeah, people are going to say, "Oh well, it's inaccurate." You know, there's a few people like Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Malone, you know, a few doctors that have spoken out against this, but they get deplatformed. You can't even tag Peter McCullough on Instagram. So these are people that have written and published novels about epidemiology or cardiology or, you know, whatever their special field is, whatever their specialty is, and they get demonized. So people that are even medical professionals cannot talk about this. So there's nothing more Orwellian and 1984 censorship than even medical professionals bringing it up and getting censored, which is actually probably the scariest part of all this. That scares me more than any vaccine. That scares me more than any viral disease is the idea that we cannot speak freely. And if we do speak freely, not only will they take your livelihood, but they'll disparage you and they'll make you sound like a kook and a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. Luckily, I lean into that. But for people like Peter McCullough, a guy who's been a doctor's whole life, it's a real stain on his reputation that it can never really be lifted.
1: Well, that's what they try to do. I mean, they try to destroy your credibility. They try to, you know, call you an anti-vaxxer. And what's hilarious is, is like, I used to not be an anti-vaxxer. But, like, now I kind of question things more, you know, to be honest. Because, like, I probably, you know, I was on the cusp of, like, should I get the vaccine? Should I not? You know, sort of, like, thinking through it. And then for me, what changed the dynamics and why I decided not to was, You know uh, one I'm young and healthy so there was no need for it and then I was saying that it wasn't stopping the spread so it's not like it it's you know doing a solid for your neighbors your grandma or whatever like it doesn't matter everyone's gonna spread it and then three was when they started shoving it down our throats because I was like you know what If this thing is all that it's cracked up to be, like, why are you trying to force me to get it?
3: That's all you got to know. I mean, when when they talk about the mandates and stuff, that's not even to stop the spread. That's for compliance. And and, it has a disastrous effect. You see, you know, more pilots have quit in the past year than in recorded history. And now to become a pilot of a major airline, you used to need 1500, 1,500 hours of training. Now you only need 750 hours. You look at our military that, you know, people like Dan Crenshaw just voted to kick out people of the army reserves if they're not vaccinated. None of this is done in the name of science. It's done in the name of compliance because they want you scared to lose your job in order to get it. So if this thing was so great, they wouldn't have to fire people. They wouldn't have to make people lose their livelihood. People would sign up to get it. But you have examples like Jimmy Kimmel, who's had six vaccines and has been out with COVID seven times. Joe Biden has had four vaccines, has been sick, you know, positive multiple times. So it's a vaccine that doesn't even stop you from getting uh, the coronavirus. They just say that it limits the you know, severity of your symptoms it doesn't matter all of this is basically in my mind it's what they call problem reaction solution the whole time the solution was never-ending vaccines they wanted it big pharma they control the narrative they control the media they're the ones doing all the advertising and they created a problem whether you said it was made in the lab or whether it was made naturally they created so the reaction was so much fear where so many people are getting vaccinated, thinking, putting on a mask, thinking they're safe from COVID, yet not one medical professional said, why don't you go outside and walk? Why don't you exercise? Why don't you eat a healthier diet? That was never recommended by one medical professional. The only recommendation is put on a mask and take a vaccine. So if people cannot see that, I'm done arguing with people. Just do what you want. If that's, you want to take the easy route, go that way. If you want to take the real route, getting some sunlight, getting some vitamin D, taking care of yourself, then, you know, good for you. But I'm done arguing with people on the internet about it.
1: Well, and like the irony is that, you know, yes, like obesity was a hard link to people ending up in the hospital with COVID and dying. And they like fed people cheeseburgers to get the vaccine, took away basketball hoops, like filled, uh, you know, skate parks with sand, like didn't let you go to the beach and get sun and vitamin D. So it's like they they actually made those health problems worse when that would have benefited so many people but what makes me so angry and infuriated about it is just the evilness and the fact that you have all these losers like politicians or jimmy kimball who have unimportant jobs who don't really serve the people and then they are literally like firing actual hard-working americans people that really perform like people that do things for their community like police officers firefighters people in the military and like people we should actually honor and like who live the lives of dignity and then like force, you know, firing them and and disallowing them to be able to feed their families and like denying them. You know, I was talking to one guy when I filled in for Dan Bongino and he was talking he's like, look, a lot of us didn't have a choice, right? Like, I'm going to lose. I've worked so hard in the military, I spent all this time in the military. I lose my benefits. You know, I'm fired without honor. Like, that's not how I want to go out. And it's just, it's evil.
3: That is literally evil. I mean, you dedicate your whole life to a country, and then they will kick you. They will literally kick you out. If you do not take an experimental vaccine, they would no long-term testing. And this is the problem, too. They'll say it's safe and effective for 7.5 billion people But shellfish is not safe and effective for 7.5 billion people. Peanuts are not safe and effective for 7.5 billion people. Almonds are not safe and effective for 7.5 billion people. There's nothing out there. Maybe water is effective for 7.5 billion people. But there's people that have allergies. There's people that have pre-existing conditions. There's people that have religious medical exemptions. And none of those matter to these people. And none of them are an excuse for you not to take it. So that is kind of the scary society that we live in. And you know this whole this whole podcast we do need to talk positive because I consider myself or I am a comedian I like to make people laugh but we are in such a dark world it's like sometimes you just kind of almost have to pinch yourself because I almost think it's a nightmare Uh, and and you're right the people that get most affected by this are the military are the pilots are the people that are doing the jobs that are very thankless but the celebrities like Jimmy Kimmel that get to sit there and tell us what to do you know their jobs are garbage just like you said I mean they're literally uh, uh, you know they're not. They're not going to lose their livelihood whether they get it or not. So it's rules for thee, but not for me. And that's the society that we're currently living in.
1: Well, and you've got states like California, Illinois, and New York that have already declared emergencies over monkeypox.
3: Let's talk about that. In San Francisco, they will not shut down any of their. They're having a gay sex festival, which is fine. You can be gay and you can have gay sex. I'm not even the anti that. You guys do what you want. But they're having a monkeypox epidemic. Yet they close down schools. There's kids that can't even read now. The, the, I think the kids that from this were kids from first grade to sixth grade. You know, they're all reading like 600 kids now are reading at. You know like a first grade level something ridiculous like that yet in in new york and in, in california where they've you know stated this is a you know a huge emergency they're not even shutting down any of the same stuff they're not saying hey maybe we shouldn't do a gay sex festival so if this social justice and progressiveness is not about health it's about the liberal world order and it's about being you know as politically correct as possible and that political correctness is what's going to, you know, lead us down the wrong road. And that's the only reason why I've been affected. That's the only reason I'm talking to you now is because I kind of model myself after the 90s, a time when we weren't so politically correct. All of the TV presenters were making fun of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. But now in this day and age, you have Hunter Biden, who's doing all the same stuff Bill Clinton was doing, if not worse, pictures of cocaine prostitutes. And the mainstream media is basically silent about it because of political correctness, because they want to protect their politicians that are in power. So that's why I'm being successful is that I call out this stuff, the elephant in the room that a lot of other people are too afraid to call out.
1: Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once. And two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post
2: Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of.
2: Work.
1: Well, it's all just a test of submission, right? Like the vaccine was a test of submission. How far can you push people into doing what you want? The speech stuff is a test of submission. This transgender stuff is a test of uh, submission. Like if they can, if they can force people to accept, like this bizarro clown world that a boy can be a girl, a girl can be a boy. Like just denying basic biology and truth then they own us. It's all, in my opinion, a test of submission.
3: You're right. And that's why they don't want the uh, nuclear family. They want to denuclearize us. And you look at people like Leah Thomas, who swam on the men's team for three years, is ranked 457th as a man, was able to go swim on the women's team at the University of Pennsylvania and win multiple NCAA championships. And the reason why that's terrible is that there's other girls that he competed against that earned their that spent their whole entire free time in a swimming pool in order to get a scholarship to an Ivy League school or get a scholarship to a Division One school. And they finally make it to the NCAA championships, the top 18 swimmers in the entire country. And they have to lose to a woman that still has her biological male parts and that, according to her, is still into females and is still and and they have not only did they have to lose her, they had to change in the same locker room as her. So there's there's people that have you know called this out, but it doesn't matter. The media will say, oh well, Leah Thomas is the woman of the year. She was nominated for woman of the year, and thank goodness she didn't win it. But this is a war on women. This is a war on the nuclear family, and it's just a, a war on society in general. They want us like as, as confused as possible. They want to get kids on uh, as many hormone blockers and gender reassignment surgeries as possible. When that is, should not be done to a child, a child can't even pick its dinner, a child can't drive a car, a child can't vote, yet they want to give them puberty blockers that affect their, you know, their whole maturation for the rest of their life if they think they're a girl. So we used to go through phases as a kid. Now these parents, in order to get TikTok likes or in order to get sympathy on Facebook, they're literally changing their children's genitals. And that is how far we've gone in this clown world. And I would have never thought it would go to this, but but this is where we're at. at well,
1: and, yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation with Matt Walsh about his documentary. I mean, you can't detransition once you've transitioned physically, you know? It's like when you, you chop your penis off, what are you going to do? You get a double mastectomy, you know, it's it's over, right? You, you've already permanently changed your body and, like, you, you can go back mentally and, you know, try to go back to, to the way you were in that regard, but you've permanently, like, you know, destroyed your body
3: you only have one window of of puberty i mean how can you so if you affect that window your whole trajectory of life is affected and they'll say it's not they literally the doctors will say that the puberty hormones are reversible which is provably false so these medical professionals i used to believe medical professionals but i've lost a lot of trust and respect for them because you know when you look at it now They're all bought and sold by Big Pharma. They will literally, you know, prescribe whatever they're told to prescribe. It's not actually about. Taking care of people anymore. It's all about, you know, it's basically medical, the medical industry has become political. And I think that's probably the worst outcome that you could ever expect from your medical industry.
1: Well, and the problem is, you've got the, uh, you know, I've learned this through a lot of the conversations I've had. You've got like the NIH and the grant process, and basically like Dr. Fauci and these institutions control so much of science and basically make or break these people's careers. And so they're all terrified of speaking up or doing studies on the actual truth or putting out you know going against you know pope uh fauci uh because they're they're worried that their careers will be crushed they they won't get ahead
3: yeah and that's what we call trauma-based mind control where you use fear in order to control people and that's the worst possible outcome i mean i keep on talking about worst possible things but it's like that's how they program us they program us through fear that's why on CNN, Brian Stelter. Now they finally took it off, but they constantly had a death tracker on the screen. They constantly, you know, are just reinforcing the worst possible outcomes. They want you in this negative, low vibrational state because when you're in that fight or flight state, you can't make any decisions. You can't see the big picture, and that's when you're most easily easily manipulated. And it's almost like a, you know, like a dog with a treat. You can make the dog sit. You can make the dog do anything. That's what they do as society. They use fear like that treat to just control us, to make us sit, to make us roll over. And people can't see it. You can see it. I can see it. But I'll be honest, a big part of my life, I couldn't see it. And I'm sure that's the same for you. Like, it took a lot of, uh, you know, bad things to happen for me to realize that society does not have our back and that independent thought is demonized. Uh, And that's kind of a harsh reality because there's so many people that aren't awake like you and I, and they're going to be victims to the liberal world order and there's going to be nobody out there to save them because it's going to be too late for a lot of them.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, it's kind of like started with Obama and the IRS targeting conservatives. And then it really started to snowball after the Kavanaugh and accusing him of gang rape basically and then COVID. And then, you know, like it's you start to really start to, uh, you know, opening your eyes to to what's going on. But but the thing is, like, you know, we, yeah, you know, we're, we're touching a lot of things that, are you know depressing or heavy but like i'm a happy person like i am a happy person like i love my family i have amazing friends i wake up i smile like i love my life regardless if i you know if i lose my job i get canceled tomorrow whatever like i love my life like there's still so much beauty in life like i live in the free state of florida you know so it's like you know it's depressing when you look at what's going on in the world but like i think it's a responsibility as individuals to make sure that we're happy, to make sure our family's happy, to make sure our friends are happy, to lift the people up that we love in or, you know, families and our, our friends, you know, and so like I like think that's up to us, right? Like we can't let we can let them or we can't let them we can fight against them, but they can try to, you know, do all these things. But it's up to us how we let it impact their own lives.
3: No, you're 100 percent right because for two years, just because I didn't want to wear a mask, basically I didn't travel at all. And now, you know, ever since they you know dropped the mask mandate, I'm flying like crazy. I'm having so much of a better time because I'm out there. My favorite thing to do is travel. You know, that's just what I love to do. I love to go to different cities. I just love the experience. You know, the anxiety of being in a city and trying new things. And uh, so you're right. It's like we got to take personal responsibility. I love my life right now, and it's not just because. You know I'm viral and because I have you know hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube or whatever like that's not why I'm happy. I'm happy because I, I'm not living in fear. I, I'm close to my dad, I'm close to my animals, I'm having fun, I'm meeting new people. So you're right. I can talk about how terrible the world is, but I mean I love life. I wouldn't trade my life for uh, anything. Uh, but I just I do still have a lot of empathy for the people though, that are out there that are struggling, because right now I'm not financially struggling. I'm actually doing, you know, probably some of the best financial I've ever done. And I see the people struggling with the inflation and I see the gas prices are high and then you see the prices at the grocery store. I I'm just I just, you know, I hate to it's hard not to be empathetic to, you know, society just just kind of raining down on pain for the people that aren't paying attention. But it's our personal responsibility in order to enjoy life. And that's why you're successful, Lisa. That's why I think I'm being successful is because we don't, we know there's negative stuff happening, but we we turn we put on the horse blinders and we choose to live a happy life, which is easier said than done.
1: No, I mean you're right. There's so many people that are struggling financially. You know, we, we talk to them all the time. A lot, a lot of people, you know, I mean, and what's sad is it's it's intentional, right? Like it's being pushed by the Biden administration. These people don't care. But I'll I'll say one thing that like I went to Rwanda like years ago. And I was in these remote villages with, uh, you know, with a lot of people who had nothing. And they were some of the happiest people I've ever seen in my entire life. Right. Because they came together as a community. They built people up. They they believed in family. They supported each other. They believed in God, you know, and, and like that to me really sort of that's always stayed with me. Since seeing that because I'm like people are so unhappy in America and it's because we have misplaced priorities and, and you have people in you know Rwanda and these remote villages who are happy who are smiling who are laughing who who love they have nothing but they're like but they're happy and content in their lives because they derive their value from things of meaning but you know I wanted to ask you uh, you know what. What have you learned the most, not not from the conversation, but from, you know, doing this and, and, and going to these different, uh, you know, city council meetings and, and from all this stuff you've been doing? What have you learned the most?
3: Well, I've learned a lot, but one of the things that I've really learned is I didn't realize how thin-skinned politicians are. Uh, and, and I'm not just saying that broad, I mean I'm saying that broadly, but it's really the case. Like these politicians they're, they're so self-important and so, and so self-righteous. I would have thought like if you're a Republican, you would have gone through a lot of hate from the left, right? Or if you're a left, you would have gone through a lot of hate from the right. But that's not the case. These people are so insulated. I don't think they get a lot of hate at all. I don't think they get a lot of people to call them out. So that's kind of the biggest shocking thing is when I'm in this political sphere, is that how affected people are by you calling them out. Because if I ever become a politician, you know, I'm just going to let – it's going to be like water off a duck's back. I mean, I get some of the meanest comments ever from the left. They say some of the most disgusting things to me possible. My DMs are on Twitter, and it kind of makes me laugh. But these politicians like Dan Crenshaw, I called him I, Patch McCain, and he went to the left-wing media and, and, and lied and said I assaulted him. So for me – I would have thought these politicians that make it to these, you know, positions of senator or congressman would be a little more thick skinned. That was a huge shocking thing. And um, for me, the other thing I, is really kind of, I guess I've learned from this, is how starved people are for content. Like, I never thought that my videos would have this sort of effect, me doing this culture jam stuff. But because the content that we have today on Netflix is all garbage, you look at Saturday Night Live, it used to be the hottest show on TV. Not that long ago, four or five years ago, every Monday there would be a viral video from that Saturday night that everybody was playing a work that was all on Facebook, Twitter. But now that show stinks. So I'm just surprised how bad media has gotten that now I'm successful. Now my videos get all these views. So I'm, sh- I'm shocked that I'm successful, and I'll be honest with that. And I'm shocked with how thin-skinned these politicians that get to the highest positions of power and that are just get totally uh, wrecked when they just get a little bit of kickback. And I think you can go to that video of Dan Crenshaw where a young girl says, why did you compare Jesus to Superman? And he absolutely melts down. So, and then you look at AOC, I said, you're a big booty Latina. And she literally thought, you know, she wanted the Capitol Police to arrest me. So, you know, I'm very surprised that people can get in power without having thicker skin.
1: Is there anything else you want to leave us with
3: before we go? Well, no, I mean, honestly, you're talking about the people in Rwanda. I want to say, you know, there's a saying that comparison is the biggest thief of joy. And we live in a society where social media makes us compare our lives to each other. So we need to stop doing that, guys. Everybody has their own journey. Just because somebody is, success- is successful at that age or successful, you know, doing this line of work, doesn't mean that you have to do the same thing. So everybody, you know, I'm obviously, I said this earlier, I'm the opposite of a role model. If you guys want to be successful, do the opposite of me. You do not want to wear a women's bathing suit in a city council meeting. Trust me, it's embarrassing. But my point being is is uh, walk your own path. Do not worry about the opinions of strangers because half the room is going to like you. Half the room is going to hate you. You cannot make everybody happy. And if you try to make everybody happy, you're going to, you're going to just kill yourself in the process. So do not be afraid to be yourself. I, I listened to an interview of Larry King before he passed away. He, and somebody asked him, you know, what's your advice as a broadcaster? And he, I think he was just being anecdotal, but I think it hit home. He's like, you know, the biggest advice I could give somebody is just be yourself. self, be yourself. And that doesn't mean get gender reassignment surgery at nine years old. That doesn't mean that you have 17 genders. Being yourself is like just being yourself unapologetically and not worrying about the opinions of others. So that's kind of the one, you know, message I would like to get out there is, you know, literally be yourself Don't worry about strangers. They don't care about you anyway. Love your family. You know, get some animals. Get a pet. I I rescue animals. So, yeah, you know, uh, just pay it forward. And if you do good deeds... Good stuff will happen to you. That's just the law of the universe.
1: I love that. He's a pimp on a blimp. He's also Tucker Carlson's biological son. uh, Alex Primetime Stein. Where can people go find your work?
3: I'm on Instagram, Primetime Stein. I'm on Twitter, Alex Stein 99. I'm on YouTube as Alex Stein. If you guys cannot find me, you're not looking hard enough. I'm all over. uh, So... I really appreciate you having me on, Lisa. And now we've had this you know, a conversation. I definitely hope to get to see you in person. Uh, but like I said at the beginning of this conversation, it's funny how you talk for an hour and you become good friends with the, with the other person on the other end. And now I feel like we're besties. So thank you for having me, Lisa. I really appreciate it.
1: Did we just become best friends?
3: Yeah, like stepbrothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this was fun, Alex. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, and I hope to meet you. Well sure No We gotta meet I'll see you soon Yes basically Alex and I Are best friends now uh, But I really enjoyed it. Look people want to say He's a troll Whatever You know all these Different things But I, I learned a lot From him I, I think he had a lot Of important things To say I think he's got a lot Of insight Into to how all this operates and, and how these people These politicians Who don't really care About us Operate So I'm glad I had him on I learned a lot from him He's a good dude So I hope to meet him and I thank you guys at home for listening and for tuning into the show every Monday and Thursday, The Truth with Lisa Booth. I want to thank my executive producer, John Cassio, for working hard to put this show together. Uh, please leave us a go or leave us a review. You know, go to Apple, five stars, leave us a review. Uh, it's always nice to, to see what you have to say about the show. Take care. See you next time. Moplay. play
2: work.